Praise the Lord, everybody, and God bless you all. I'm so grateful to the Lord, yep, for another opportunity to join with you. Although virtually, uh, I'm always joyful about this time that we're able to spend together in the word of the Lord. What a wonderful day it's been. Um, number one, because he has allowed us to live to see this day. And number two, because it's another opportunity to worship and praise him. He is worthy of all of our praise. Number three, because we have another opportunity to go into his word. And his word is wonderful. It's beautiful. His word is life. His word is what I need to make this journey. I'm grateful to the Lord for his word. We want to give some of the saints time to come on in to our Bible study room as we come together, GRTDC here in the nation's capital and Refuge Temple Annex, RTA uh, in the Bronx, New York. We're coming together. The saints of God are pulling out their Bibles and uh, get some paper and, some, and a pen and let's draw our minds in as we go into the word of the Lord. Now, we have begun a series uh, coming out of the Minor Prophets, lessons uh, from the Minor Prophets. And last week we were in the book of Hosea. And uh, the subject was uh, evidences of spiritual decline. And we enjoyed that lesson. We're going to, uh, this week we'll be in the book of Haggai. And we're going to pull out a nugget uh, from this particular minor prophet. Let's, let's have a word of prayer first. Father, we love you so much. And we're so grateful for your goodness, your kindness. We thank you for keeping us this day. And we're grateful for another opportunity to come together as your children to hear a word from you. Bless us, keep us, strengthen us, heal us, deliver us. Hallelujah. Correct us. Whatever we need, do it through your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Now, last week we were in Hosea and we dealt with the evidences of spiritual decline. And we're going to another minor prophet by the name of Haggai, the book of Haggai, uh, chapter one and uh, verse number seven. And the lesson title for tonight is a call to self-examination. Uh, or we can just say, examine yourself, examine yourself. Haggai chapter one, one verse. This is our anchor scripture for today. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Haggai chapter one, verse number seven. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now, um, for this lesson, I'm going to give you a little historical background. It will help us to understand why the Lord was speaking to his children through the prophet and telling them to consider their ways. Haggai is the, the first of three post-exilic books in the Old Testament, um, explicitly dealing with those who had uh, come out of captivity. Uh, the three, I should say, the three 
minor prophets that dealt with that post-exilic time would be Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Haggai is mentioned, I would say, uh, by name two times in the book of Ezra, nine times in this particular book we're dealing with. Um, he's called a prophet. He's called a messenger. Uh, and he may have been one of a small group or a handful of uh, exiles that um, who coming back from captivity to resettle Jerusalem, who could actually remember what the Old Testament, or I should say, I'm sorry, the Old Temple looked like, uh, and that would be Solomon's Temple. He knew what the Temple looked like. And remember, if you plug in the history, it was Jeremiah that prophesied and said, 70 years, you'll be in captivity if you don't turn back from God. Uh, and now they have been in captivity and they have come out. So they've been in captivity for about 70 years. And he was one of few that remembered what the temple looked like before it was torn down and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar's army. Uh, now, I can give you a date, 586 B.C. Uh, so if the history is correct, then that means that Haggai uh, now, by this time, uh, he's either 70, he's either in his 70s or 80s at the time of the writing of this particular book. Uh, so the, the book is precisely dated during the second year of Darius of Persia. 520 BC and Darius remember uh, is the one that allowed them to go back into Jerusalem and and so let's continue to plug it in because the historical setting is very important for us to really understand the message uh, and pull out the nugget that needs to be pulled out uh, and I'll give you another date 538 BC is when Cyrus remember uh, he was also a king of Persia, but he signs a decree uh, to allow them or the Jews to return to the homeland to rebuild Jerusalem. And uh, the people are doing this in fulfillment of prophecies that were already given by Isaiah uh, and Jeremiah. And we can throw Daniel in there too. Daniel intercedes and prays for the people of God. Uh, during his tenure in Babylon. And now the exiles of the Jews are returned to Jerusalem. And their job, and I would say the first company of Jews, because they were allowed to go back in waves. One wave through Cyrus, Nehemiah, uh, builds the wall. Another wave through Darius, uh, the temple now. The temple is supposed to be restored. Um, Ezra, during that time, was told to bring revival. He even states in his writings, during their bondage, uh, he has brought revival. So Ezra starts stirring them up while they're in captivity. Now they have been allowed to come into Jerusalem and lay a foundation of this new temple. I'll give you another date, 536 BC. Um, it's Ezra that describes the excitement uh, that they had in building. I'm gonna read Ezra three, 
verses 8 through 11. Now in the second year of their coming into the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel is the governor now, the son of Sheotil and Yeshua, the son of Zozadak, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that will come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward, to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Then stood Yeshua with his sons, his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Henadad, with their sons, their brethren, the Levites. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priest in their apparel with trumpets, the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. Why? Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So there's all this excitement. They're rebuilding the temple now, right? They, they are being released in waves. Uh, one Persian king, another Persian king. So things are in movement. Uh, they're rebuilding. They're restoring, mind you. Uh, now, there were more that stayed in Babylon than, than came out. Uh, but this was a new generation, another generation. And as you heard me say, some were not even over the age of 20 years old. Uh, but they were given uh, the mandate. Uh, first of all, God was keeping their, his word. They were coming out of their bondage. And now their assignment was to rebuild what the enemy had torn down. And um, the house of God was to be restored. Mm -hmm. Soon after, though, wasn't too long afterwards, uh, because there were those who heard about their deliverance and the fact that they were rebuilding their place of worship. Uh, the Samaritans and other neighboring people physically opposed. They weren't just running their mouths, but they were doing things physically, like um, getting in front of them or, or sending armies to, to intimidate them, whatever they had to do. But they were physically opposed, opposing the building project. I don't want you to rebuild this temple. Uh, and it wasn't just the building. It was the fact uh, that they were becoming a people again, uh, and worship was their strength. They give these people a place of worship, uh, and, and their God, that means that their God is moving full throttle, uh, and they were trying to discourage the work. Hallelujah. They didn't want the temple to be rebuilt. The enemies, listen, the enemy doesn't want you to do the work that God has assigned you to do. He doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't want you to be delivered. And he doesn't want you to be busy doing what God has assigned you to do. Uh, and they stopped. They were so discouraged. They were so intimidated. According to the word in history, they stopped rebuilding the temple of God, place of worship. The foundation was laid, right? They're singing, they're shouting, they're excited. But soon after that, enemies arose and it wasn't just the enemies around them 
There were those, if you remember the history, that were comparing the latter glory of Solomon's temple to what now was being manifested, and they were complaining. So it there was um, controversy outside of them, and there was controversy inside of them. Um, so now we have this prophet uh, prophesying, and, and the reason for Haggai's prophecy was to exhort the leadership, Zerubbabel, the governor, and Yeshua, the high priest. Uh, it was to motivate them to mobilize the people, get the people uh, excited again about doing the work of the Lord. Don't allow the enemy to intimidate you. Don't allow what you see and what you hear to stop you from doing the work of the Lord. Uh, somebody needs to hear that tonight. Also, not only to motivate the leadership, but he writes and he prophesies to motivate the people to reorder their lives and priorities so they can resume the work and do it in a dedicated way. So two groups of people needed to be motivated and spoken to. The leadership. Why have you stopped telling the people that the work of God needs to continue? And to speak to the people. Why have you stopped doing the work of the Lord? I know it's, it's difficult times and people are talking and uh, people are trying to intimidate you. There are enemies around you that don't want you to be victorious and don't want you to succeed, to succeed rather. And there are those who are supposed to be one of you uh, that are uh, fighting against you, uh, but continue to work, continue to do what you're supposed to do. Um, and there is another, um, well, I won't call it the scenario, but there was another reality that was happening at the same time. Because while they were discouraged from doing the work of the Lord, while they were discouraged from uh, continuing to build the house of God, uh, while they were discouraged from uh perhaps continuing on to do what God wanted them to do regardless uh, of what was happening, they still had the time to build their own homes, um, to do uh, the things that would satisfy them. They Now, if they were living today, you might hear them say, I'm living the good life, right? Because uh, when you read the book of Haggai, their homes were being built uh, and they had beautiful homes, big homes. Uh, the economy was beginning to turn around. Uh, so they were dealing and taking care of everything as it pertains to them. It didn't stop them uh, from building their homes and with carpeting and the, having the finest things for themselves. But they stopped doing the things of God and taking care of his house. How is that? How do we have so much time uh, to take care of our own selves, right? To, to, to make money, to save money, to get all of these big houses and have the beautiful cars and the, right? I wasn't a car, then the, the prettiest chariot, uh, but we allow the enemy to intimidate us so much until we stop the things of God. Why didn't it intimidate them uh, as it pertained to themselves? Let's go into the lesson. 
Now we understand why the prophet had to talk to them. Because from this brief prophecy in the book of Haggai, um, we understand that God speaks to them concerning this. What, what, what's on your mind? What's in your heart? Uh, first, I'll read Haggai 1 and 5. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Haggai 2 and 15. And now I pray you consider from this day and upward from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Uh, he says, Be before I even told you to do this, there, there was something going on. Consider now this. I'm in the 18th verse, chapter 2. Before I go into our anchor scripture, consider now from this day and upward from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Uh, he's, he's telling them, I, I want you to, to consider what's going on in you. Consider, consider the excuses you've been using. Consider um, your feeling of what you do for yourself versus what you do for God. And so when God speaks once, it, it's important, but when he speaks a few times and says the same thing a few times, it's doubly, triply important. Uh, so our whole duty as we do this Bible study tonight is to examine ourselves because uh, if we fail to do this, then we are bound uh, to suffer a relapse, and we dealt with that a, a few months ago. No time for relapse, uh, and there's no time to be caught in a backslidden state. We talked about that, uh, or to get out of touch with the Lord, uh, and we, we cannot remain static. We must either go forward or go backwards, but in order for us to go forward, we've got to frequently consider our own ways. <laughs> And that's what we're exhorted to do by the prophet Haggai. Consider your ways. It's another way of saying, take a good look at yourself. Take a good look at yourself. Our anchor scripture again, Haggai chapter 1, verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. What does it mean? Well, um, it means to... Give careful thought to what I'm saying, to consider, give careful thought. And sometimes when we want to look uh, at a very small object, we look at it through a microscope, right, and discover, uh, you know, what kind of germ it is or what's on it, maybe what's even, what's deep down in it or how beautiful or how terrible it looks, Um have you ever considered that there is a spiritual microscope that we need to take a look at ourselves through? Um, and, and the word means uh, consider. It also means to inspect, to inspect it, right? Um, before you buy a home, you, you get someone to come in and inspect it, and they go through the home with a fine tooth comb. Even to run, the, I've, I've seen, uh, my wife and I were looking at a home and the inspector came in and uh, one of, he put on a glove and ran his finger across the, the uh, top of the um, aisle. Uh, and, and not just to see if the house was dirty because the people that didn't clean it right, but he did it uh, to see if the, the uh, air 
circulation was working right, and if the filter was working right, looked around the edges of the wall, uh, and and told me that if the filtering is is working right, if the um, the air conditioning is working right, then I shouldn't see any dirt along uh, the edges of the carpet because what happens if the if it's not working right, uh, the system after a while will start using your carpet as a filter, and I never knew that, but. Uh, but he inspected everything, and this is how we have to do with our own lives. You know, there are people who spend a lot of time inspecting other people's lives. You need to take that same microscope and look at yourself. Let's see uh, the book of Psalms. Psalms 139 and 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Hallelujah. Uh, so David is saying, Lord, uh, get that microscope and search me. Hallelujah. Let's go to Proverbs 4 and 26. Ponder the path of thy feet. This is Solomon's wisdom. Consider the path of your feet and let all thy ways be established. Consider where you walk. <laughs> Consider your own life. My Lord, ponder it. Think about it. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? So we're, we're to give it careful thought. And we're also to give careful thought uh, to our ways because the two words he uses is consider, uh, inspect it, look at it, ponder it. And your ways, uh, this means my life, my thoughts, uh, my service. All that has to do with my private life as well, not just what people see openly, but uh, how am I living when I'm not in the church house? Because God sees it. Uh, we're to check up on even our relationships, the time we give to prayer, the time that we uh, give to reading his word. Hallelujah. My God, how we use our money. Let's go there. It's all in the word of God. Uh, you want to know what matters most to people? Look in their checkbook. Look Look at how they spend their money. Yes, uh, are we really concerned about the things that we should be concerned about? Or, or are we only concerned about satisfying our flesh? Uh, so uh, we are to give careful thought. Um, we are to consider. We are to give careful thought to our ways, our lives, and what the things that mean the most to us. And we're also to give careful thought um, to how we treat others. Are, are, are we so judgmental? Uh, are we demeaning to other people? Um, and I know some of you may not appreciate the lesson tonight, but it's, it's needful for us to have this conversation. Um, listen to my notes. What a tendency it is for us to judge others and to apply what God is saying to other people rather than to ourselves. But there's a verse we always read when we're getting ready to take communion. I want to go there, and some of you already know where I'm going. 1 Corinthians 11 and uh, 28, it says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Even before we take communion, we're supposed to take a good look at ourselves. 
before you drink of the blood of Christ and eat of his flesh, examine your self. So uh, according to the prophet, he's telling them, consider your ways. I gave you a bit of the history behind it. Uh, they allowed uh, the frustration or the intimidation, uh, the bickering of their enemies and those among them uh, to stop them from doing the work of God, but it did not stop them from building their own homes and beautifying their own homes. Hallelujah. So the prophet, through the urging of God's spirit, told them, consider your ways. Take a good look at yourself, your reasoning, your thoughts, your living. And so let's let's get into it even deeper. Why should we consider our ways? Um Three reasons, because conditions require it, because wisdom demands it, and because God commands it. Conditions require it, wisdom demands it, God commands it. Conditions require it, that is to say conditions in our life and in our service for the Lord as a believer, as spirit-filled believers, right? Um we should look at ourselves. Is, is my life flourishing spiritually? Uh, is my service being fruitful? If so, um, and, and, and be honest, I'm not, I'm not telling you to put anything in the comment section. It's something to, to ask yourself, am I really being fruitful? Am I really faithful to what I'm supposed to do? Uh, be honest, if, and if the answer is no, uh, how essential is it therefore for you and I to consider our ways? If the answer is no, I'm, I'm not fruitful. No, I'm, I'm, uh, perhaps you should consider your ways. It's, it's essential to stop and consider. Um, listen to my notes. It is when we are unwell that we go to the doctor, right? If you're unwell, you go to the doctor. Now, if you're unwell spiritually, where should you go? If, if, if I'm unwell spiritually, it's an indication that I need to pause and give careful thought to what has made me sick. Mm -hmm. and, in, and I need to do that in order for me to get a divine remedy for what's happening to me spiritually. And I have to go to God. He's the doctor for my spirit. Hallelujah. To find out what is what is what has got me to this spiritual condition that I'm in. I'm spiritually sick. Hallelujah. And there is a divine remedy for my sickness, right? So the conditions require me to consider myself, to examine myself. Wisdom demands it. And, and um, listen, listen to my notes. In business, stock taking takes place at regular intervals. And every navigator knows what it is to frequently examine his chart to make sure he's going in the right direction, right? If you know anything about stocks, you have to watch those charts to make sure you're going up and not down, right? My spiritual life is likewise, right? To say the least, to give careful thought. Uh, am I going up? Am I going stronger and deeper in Christ? or I'm becoming more and more like the world, or am I, am I increasingly or decreasing 
becoming weaker and not stronger. So wisdom demands that I look at the chart, that I take a look and see which direction am I going in. And then also because God, God commands it. God commands it, right? And um, this is why Haggai in chapter 1 and 5 tells us to consider our ways. He says it again in verse 7, consider your ways, right? Um, let's go to Isaiah 1 and 3. Isaiah says, the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doesn't know. My people does not consider. So he's comparing them. The ox knows his owner and the ass his master's crib. Right, even the ox knows who he, who owns him, uh, and the donkey will will recognize his own area of, of habitat. Right, uh, this is where my master takes care of me. But Israel doesn't know. Israel acts like they don't know where their blessing comes from. My God, they're not considering their own ways and why things are happening to them. Let's go to. Ezekiel 12 and 3, therefore thou son of man, prepare thee stuff for removing and remove by they in their sight and thou shalt remove from thy place to another place in their sight. It may be they will consider though they be a rebellious house. And here's God talking through Ezekiel. Maybe if I start taking their stuff from them little by little, they'll consider why they're going through all of this. Instead of blaming God and complaining, maybe if I slowly start taking stuff away, right? All of the things that I've given them, maybe if, when they start losing it. And, and the other part of that with Ezekiel, uh, I'm bringing you back into captivity. If I start pulling you back and let you feel like it, it used to feel when you were in captivity and, and in the snare, maybe you'll wake up and realize that I'm the one that blesses and keeps and makes and makes ways out of no way. So God commanded them that they stop and take a look at yourself. Give a thought to your ways. How do you talk? How do you walk? How do you live? What do you do? So we're to give careful thought to our ways because conditions require it. Wisdom demands it and God commands it. The next point I need to make is when when are we to when should we give thought to our ways? I know that I should give careful thought uh, because conditions are requiring it. God demands it. I'm sorry, wisdom demands it and God commands it, but when and, and it must be profitable then. And I, I, I would say uh, because it is a logical question to say when should I do this? You should do it always, <laughs> all the time, every day. Am, am, I, am I right? Every day I pray, no matter what. It, these words come out of my mouth. Father, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I don't care how good church was on Sunday, Monday morning. I'm saying, Lord, whatever's wrong in me, fix it. Whatever thought I had, forgive me for it. <laughs> yes. I'm considering my ways. Doesn't matter how much I shouted on Sunday. It starts again on Monday. Lord, help me. Help me to walk right, talk right. Yes, all the time, 
all the time. But I, I would say also there are special times too to do it. Um, and I'll take you the Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, This people say the time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. It's starting to make excuses. And, and the reason why they were making excuses was because of adversity. So uh, because the devil started talking, because people around you started saying, Child, uh, you don't need to be doing that now. But God said do it now. The foundations of the temple have been built, but then through no fault of their own, the people had been prevented from going on with the work building the Lord's house. Uh, but God removed the hindrance, though. That's a part I didn't tell you. Although there were enemies, God removed the hindrance. And if, and if you listen, if you have a mind, I'm helping somebody right now. If you have a mind to follow the word of God. You're going to have opposition, but if you stay faithful to what God told you, he will move the opposition. He'll move the hindrance. He moved the hindrance. And after he moves the hindrance, they, they said, it's not time. It's not time. And I think it was because they had already started building their own homes. And they said, I'm not going to stop this now. I'm, I'm just going to build my house uh, and they start said, well, we got plenty of time to do it. Like, and even people today, I got plenty of time to do what God told me to do. No, you don't know how much time you got. You better do it when God tells you to do it. No, Harry, to do the Lord's work. Uh, and sometimes we speak that way because we think we got a lot of time or something else has our attention. No, there's no urgency in your prayer, right? Uh and, and some folks in the church, even when it comes to winning souls, there's no urgency. I remember growing up, uh, the altar was hot. The mothers would, would snatch people and come, come on, let's pray. But there's no urgency, right? Uh, the Holy Ghost would move in such a way. It wasn't just the mothers. I know we put everything on missionaries and mothers, but people were all about souls. And people would bring other people to the altar. Yes, Hallelujah. Even, and people say some crazy stuff. Oh, I'll live victorious after a while or uh, later on. Uh, one of these days, I'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. It, like a nonchalant attitude towards the move of God and having the more of God. And, and whenever we find ourselves taking an attitude like this, uh, it's time to give thought to your ways. When a move of God or the house of God or the things of God or the people of God or the ways of God are not as important to you anymore, then it's time to consider your ways. Let's go to verse four, Haggai one and four. Um, the people were paying far more attention to their own homes than to God's house. It's time for you. This is the prophet now speaking what God gives. It's time for you, oh ye to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? God's speaking back. You mean to tell me it's time for you? Your houses are sealed. They're coughed. They were fancy back. Even back then, they had some kind of carpeting, right? Beautiful carpeting. You see those oriental carpets and stuff? They didn't just now start making them, right? It's been passed down along the line. And so he says, is it, is it time for you to live in your sealed houses and this house, meaning my house, lies waste? 
right? They were not putting into practice the truth that we find in Matthew 6.31. Listen, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? They were considering more so everything about them, 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 right? Self-pleasure, self-gratification, right? Self-pleasure in their own homes were given priority over God. So it's the principle, and we're going to get at that to the principle towards the end of the lesson, but uh, self-pleasure, their own homes were given priority over God and his house. So um, I'm going to mess with you tonight. If we're dealing so much with self-pleasure, more about me, 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 what's in it for me? What am I going to do? I'm not going to sacrifice me for anything God needs. And, and it's an attitude now. And listen, God doesn't want us broke. He doesn't want us, uh, you know, living in the street. He doesn't want us looking bad, looking poor. No, none of that. Uh, but it's the priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and these other things shall be added. So when you are seeking things for yourself first and not the pleasure of God, his will, the work of God, Right? So no wonder we're struggling with getting a revival stirred up. And listen, just because it's a good preacher and people are jumping up and down and yelling and screaming doesn't mean they've been revived. They may have been stimulated. Right? They may get excited because Israel, I read the scripture, they were excited. They were praising. The foundation of the temple had been laid. But as soon as trouble came, they stopped. They stopped the work of God. But it did not stop them from building their own homes and beautifying their own homes. So we wonder sometimes why we're struggling getting a revival stirred up. At such a time as this, at such a time as this, I'm going to say it again. At such a time as this, we need to give thought to our ways, our lives. Let's look at verses 6, 9, and 11 of the book of Haggai. Chapter 1, verse 6. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in the bag with holes. So now... Things okay. You 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 think so much about your house and that job making all that money, hallelujah. But when it comes to the things of God, you won't give, uh, right? You'll pay a million dollars for your house and give five dollars towards the house of God, right? And God said, "I'm gonna start chastening you. I'll let you work, 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 make all this money, and I'll put a hole in your pocket." Hallelujah. And some, some of the saints are working five, six, seven jobs and you still can't make ends meet because you won't tithe. You won't give two nickels to the house of God or to the ministry. As a matter of fact, during the offering, you close your pocketbook. You close your, I'm not giving him nothing. And you'll go and spend thousands of dollars on yourself. Hallelujah. Let's go to verse nine. Haggai one and nine, he says, Hallelujah. And ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did, I blew upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because my house, right, 
You're doing all this for yourself, but my house, the things of God, are laying waste, and you run every man unto his own house. All of you are concerned about my clothes, my car, yes, my mink coat, my status in society, and the things of God are laying waste, right? You got this big job now, making all this money. Hallelujah. And God got you sitting among the executives. When's the last time you told them to the utmost Jesus saves? When's the last time you witnessed to somebody and told them they need the Holy Ghost, right? And God has blessed you with that job, but the things of God, hallelujah, the things of God are lower now on your list of priorities. Let's go to verse 11, chapter 1, Haggai, and I called for a drought upon the land. And upon the mountains, upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the lands. I'm going to start messing with all your stuff because you think so little about the things of God. And what you have now is only because of my goodness, my grace, my mercy. I give you power to obtain wealth. But when it comes to doing the things of God, and it's not just money for money, hallelujah, you don't want to do nothing as it pertains to, you don't even want to pray to me. Don't even want to spend time in my presence. Consider, it's time for us to consider our ways. All the time God's house was waiting to be built. All that time, but they were not concerned. So it wasn't just, they had become lethargic. They had become lazy. They had become fearful, but they weren't afraid when it came to doing their own thing. I'm living the good life. And I, you know, I, I, sometimes when people say I'm living the good life, it, it rubs me the wrong way because I'm saying, well, what does, what does the good life mean? Is it, is it good because you're making a lot of money? I got coin. I got, I got all these fancy cars, but is, what is the good life? Is it good if I'm not doing what God told me to do. And I know, you know, some of you might be saying, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. Seek ye first the kingdom of, they were not concerned. And that was the issue. They were no longer concerned. They were no longer concerned. They were only concerned about themselves. Ecclesiastes 7 and 14, it says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. Okay, it's okay to say, oh, I got money, I got a house, I got all this now, but when things start going wrong, consider, because God also have set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Trouble comes, right? Trouble will come, challenges will come. And we'll see where your heart really is. We'll see. Do you, do you love your stuff more than you love God? Remember Job? He was the richest man in the, in the world. But we found out what was really in his heart when trouble came. He was a worshiper. He was a praiser. God really meant something to him. Is, is, is what I'm saying a word to you? Is it, is it chastening you? Because... Uh, perhaps somebody's watching me tonight and you have become complacent. For some reason you have developed, oh, it, I don't care. You know, uh, 
all if all we care about as a church i'm gonna go there if all we care about as a church is a praise break how how many times i danced how many tongues i spoke in um but there was no fruit there was no one filled with the holy ghost there was no one baptized and all we all if all we think about is child i had a good time then we need to consider our ways did you bring anyone to church did you witness to anyone if if we get slack spiritually listen if if we get slack spiritually god may have to start touching our material things messing with us materialistically bring about circumstances to shake us up a little bit yes why wait why wait till then why not Examine yourself and make the correction now. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, back to 11, verses 29 and 30. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, because you didn't examine yourself, because you didn't take a good look at yourself, because you sat there and while the word of God was going on, yeah, get him, pastor. He's talking to her. He's talking, no, the word is for you, you. So you didn't examine yourself, and now it's Communion Sunday, and and uh, and the Bible says, "He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, for discern for not discerning the Lord's body." So you you see everyone else, but you don't see yourself. We don't see ourselves, and we're not making the adjustments and corrections. We're not repenting. We're not asking God to help us. We are not making God a priority in our lives. And because of this, for this cause, many are weak and sickly, weak, sickly. And some of you, many have fallen asleep before their time. Weakness, mm -hmm. sickly, and some have fallen asleep because we're not rightly discerning the body. We're not examining we're not examining. We're not being truthful. Yes, so the people had worked hard. They were working hard. They were making money. The economy was turning around. They had money. Got to have money to build a big house like that and have carpeting, sealed houses. The best house you could possibly have back then, they had it. Right? All the time, God's house, though, was, was wasting away. The foundation, it wasn't completed. Right. So um, God started chastening them, putting holes in their pocket. Hallelujah. They bring things home and find out it, it doesn't even work the way it's supposed to work. Hallelujah. And they were not rightly dividing. They were not, I'm sorry, rightly examining themselves. So let's talk about application. And I'm getting ready to close. I'm almost done. So, um, how how do we do this? How do we literally or actually give thought to our ways? Uh, and if you read through the whole chapter, when you get some time, read through the whole chapter, you'll find considerable help in seeking the answer to that. Read the whole chapter when, when we're done. Take the time. Uh, it's only like two chapters, but read the whole chapter one, and you'll, you'll get considerable help in seeking and the answer to that question. But I want you to notice the following. 
Um, how do I do this, Lord? You know, the preacher told me I need to consider my ways. I need to take a look at myself. And we hear the scripture all the time when we do communion. Let a man examine himself. So how do I do it? Well, let me help you. Uh, Haggai 1 and 7. I'll take you there again. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I'm to do it wholeheartedly because it literally means set your heart upon your ways. This thing must be done with the heart and with the soul. Do it with your whole heart, with my whole heart, wholeheartedly. I'm doing it wholeheartedly. What else does it mean? I'm doing it in the presence of the Lord. It's good to do. It's good to do it in the house of the Lord. It's easy, right, to look right and to look the part in the house of God when we're meeting together with others. Hallelujah. But what about when I'm alone? What about when I'm in my own house? What about uh, when I'm out and about, right? It's, it's better to be able to get alone in God's presence and get a good glimpse of what, of what we're talking about tonight. Because if I'm alone in his presence, uh, then I can even give more careful thought to my ways. Example, in your own private prayer time, private devotion, right? You're searching your heart and you're able to talk to the Lord honestly to your, you know, to your condition, to your state. Lord, am I where I should be? Lord, you're not in church. There's, there's no, you, you know, you're not even in your church clothes, but you're, it's just you and God. Lord, am I living the way you want me to live? I'm, I know you got a missionary card. I know you've been part of the church for years, but this is a personal walk. So wholeheartedly do it in the presence of the Lord and do it with the right motive wholeheartedly get in his presence and do it with the right motive. Let's go to verse eight. Haggai one and eight, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. He's trying to get him motivated again. Go up to the mountain and get some wood, right? Do it because you're doing it for me. He said, if you do it, I will take pleasure and I will be glorified. So this is who I'm doing it for. I'm doing it to please God and for his glory. Hallelujah. This is the motive. He says, get some wood. Go to the mountain, get some wood. Bring it down and go back to work. Build my house. Why? Because I'll take pleasure at it. You'll be pleasing me. And I will get the glory. This is why we do what we do. Not to please people but to please God and that he may get the glory. The prophet is suggesting twofold motive for considering my ways in order that I may please God and glorify him. I hope you're getting the message. I know I am. So wholeheartedly in his presence with the right motive and in view of obedience because I want to owe Obey him. Let's go to verse 12 for that. Haggai 1 and 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, and Yeshua, the son of Zosedek, 
the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people did fear before the Lord. So the people considered, they started considering, examining themselves. Yes, he's right. I've been putting everything uh, in my own life, in my own pleasure, right? And the Lord started chastising them, right? They had all this money, but it seemed like they still couldn't make it work. All of a sudden, now their eyes are opening and they considered and they obeyed. And sometimes uh, we give careful thought, but we don't obey. And, and we don't want that to happen. Sometimes you'll stop and think, but even after you think about it, knowing uh, that what you were told is perfectly right, but you still continue to do what you want to do, right? You'll give careful thought, but you won't obey, but it's time to obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I have in my notes how foolish that is, for God's commands are always for our good. It's always for our good, and none of his commands are burdensome. Hallelujah. 1 John 5 and 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. John 2 and 5. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Remember Cana, the marriage, and they needed more wine. And Mary said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Hallelujah. This is what I'm telling you. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, do it. His commandments are not grievous. It's all for our good. So, if we're going to give thought to our ways, if we're going to live for the Lord, we have to do it wholeheartedly. We have to make sure that we are continually being in God's presence. We have to have the right motive. We're doing it to please him and that he may get the glory. And we're doing it because we want to be obedient to his word. And we know that his word, his commands are not grievous. It's all for our good. And we should do whatever God tells us. Do what he tells you when he tells you to do it. Hallelujah. And let me remind you, they were they allowed themselves to be intimidated out of building God's house. But there was no intimidation when it came to building their own homes and living their so-called good life. And finally, in the fear of God, verse 12, you should do it in the fear or reverence of God. Hallelujah. The end of verse 12, I'll bring you back there with all the remnant of the people, with all the remnant of the people, the priest, the leadership, and all the remnant of the people. I told you because more stayed in Babylon than came out, than actually came out. But these obeyed the voice of their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people did fear before God. They reverenced him. Hallelujah. They respected him. And they had to reset their priorities and put God where he belonged. And this is what we need to do. I believe God is challenging us to put him where he belongs. Hallelujah. He shouldn't be all the way down on the list, he should be 
number one on the list. Listen, I'm, I'm going to dig a little further and I'm closing. Uh, if we consider our ways uh, like this, two things will happen. If, if we obey God's word, if we consider our ways, if we examine ourselves, if we begin to um, develop a life of self-examination, if we practice this, two things will happen. Uh, number one, we will have a restored consciousness of the Lord's presence. A restored consciousness. If we examine ourselves and make those corrections and adjustments and listen, and what you're not able to do is say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Help me with this. We'll have a restored consciousness of God's presence. Haggai chapter 1, verse 13, his presence, a restored consciousness of his presence will happen, will begin happening. Haggai 1, 13, then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message unto the people saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Here's a reconfirmation. Okay. You're considering your ways, you're examining yourselves, and you're coming back to doing the work that I told you to do, coming back to your assignment, putting me where I belong. I'm with you now. Hallelujah. You mean to tell me there are times where we're going about our business and doing and, and think that we're being prosperous and God isn't with us? My Lord, that's a revelation. Where we're moving along, but God ain't with us. Listen, I would dare say there are times when we're, you can be in church. You can be in that church doing all that hooba, 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 all that stuff, and God ain't with you. Why? Because you haven't considered your ways. You're not doing it for him. You're doing it to be seen. You're doing it all for you, for yourself. But if we do it to please him and that he gets the glory, hallelujah. If we do it wholeheartedly, if we stay in his presence, if we have the right motive, if we are obedient, obedient to him and we have a, a fear and reverence and respect for him, let's go back to this. Let's go back to respecting the things of God. Then we'll have a, a restored consciousness of his presence. I know that he's with us. The Lord is with us. And when things started turning around, the prophet opened his mouth again. He says, the Lord's message. This is the Lord's message to you, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. That's the first thing. And then we'll have a renewed experience of his power. Revival will happen. We always ask this question. How come we're not seeing the miracles like we should see? Right? People walk in with demons and walk out with two or three more. Then how come people are not getting delivered like they should be getting delivered? It's because we're not considering our ways. We're not examining ourselves. Hallelujah. We'll have a restored consciousness, consciousness of his presence. He'll say, I'm with you. I'm in there. Said it to Solomon after Solomon prayed. He said, now I'm in this place and I've made this house a house of prayer. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Why? Because he was pleased and he was getting the glory. And the second is a renewed experience of his power. That's in verse 14. Haggai 1:14. And I'm closing with this. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel 
the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Yeshua, the son of Yosedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people, and they came and did work. So now the power is moving. They're coming together in the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. Is getting back in order. Oh, God. Yes, did they still have opposition? Yeah. People still didn't like them? Yep. There were still enemies around them? Yep. Till this day, there's enemies around Jerusalem. But it's, hallelujah. Till this very day, you're always going to have opposition. You're always going to have people that don't like you. You're always going to have somebody talking about you. You're always going to have somebody wanting to stop you. But don't stop. Hallelujah. You're doing it to please God and that he may get the glory. Hallelujah. And after that, Spirit of the Lord, they are all stirred now. The power of God is moving. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts their God. Hallelujah. Now, how how do how much do we need to be stirred up? Hallelujah. And start experiencing the power of God. We're a New Testament church now. Uh, yes, a New Testament church now, and there's some things that are a little different with, with us than it was with them, but God's power is still God's power, and we have this power on the inside. Remember what he said uh, in Acts 1 and 8, but I, ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and all Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's talk just one second about the power. Hallelujah. Because, um, and there's a question that came to my mind because these folks now in Haggai, they're stirred up, they're working. Hallelujah. And, and God is getting the glory and the power of God is, is moving now. The house of God is being restored. And I know we don't focus on a building, but the principle is the same. The principle, our priorities and the power, hallelujah, the work of the Lord. And God said, I have given you power. You have the Holy Ghost. And after the Holy Ghost comes, you have power. So where is this power? Power, that power that destroys yokes, that power that brings healing and deliverance, that power, hallelujah. Where is the power? We need to, we need to consider our ways and come back to the work of the ministry. Come back to our assignment. Hallelujah. Come back to our calling and don't allow what's going on. COVID has happened. Yes. Hallelujah. But a whole lot of folks have used COVID as an excuse to stop. And God is saying, get up because COVID has not stopped you from doing other things. COVID hasn't stopped you from doing other things that you may have wanted to do for yourself. Why have you allowed it to stop you from doing what I've told you to do? Hallelujah. And what I brought you out of is a whole lot worse than what you see going on around you. Number one, you're still here. Yes. A whole lot of people have passed away, but I kept you here. Hallelujah. Yes, others have backslidden. Yes, but I've kept you here. You go to work, the power will start manifesting. Ha, Glory. I felt that in my spirit. If we go back to our assignment, 
the power of God will start manifesting. We stop, we stop doing things for ourselves and for self-gratification. If we stop doing things for notoriety, if we stop doing things so we can have titles, he said, my power will be manifest again because you're doing it to please me. <laughs> you're doing it that I may get the glory. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right here. But I feel like I feel like snatching this mic right here and preaching for another hour or so. Consider your ways. It's time for self-examination. It's time for self-examination. Glory, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to minister. I've shared what you have asked me to share. Lord, it's time to examine ourselves and see what's going on. Hallelujah. To come back to you the way that you want us to come back to you. Put you where you belong. Set our priorities straight. And go back to the assignment that you have given us to do. You have given us the power. You have already released it, but we won't see it and realize it until we come back to where we should be and consider our ways. Examine ourselves. Help us, Lord. Oh God, and the things that we're not able to alter, the things that we're not able to correct, Lord, hallelujah, we put it all in your hands. Do it, Father, because we want to be right in your eyes. We want to be a healthy church. We want to be a strong church. We want to be right. We want to be pleasing. And we want you to get the glory. Bless us all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you want to be baptized in Jesus' name? You can do that. Yes. Send us that request. Admin at grtdc.org. And someone from the staff will reach back out to you, tell you what you need to do. We'll make arrangements for you to be baptized. I don't care where you are in this world. We'll make sure that you're baptized in Jesus' name. There's a ministry near you. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. And you can be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't have the Holy Ghost. You want to be saved. Let us know. Admin at grtdc.org. And someone from my staff will tell you what you need to do. Hallelujah. We can even set it up where someone can tarry with you, pray with you until you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We'll do it. God wants you to be saved. Yes, if you want to plant seed in this ministry, give an offering or even pay your tithes, you may do so. Our technician will put that on the screen for us. I thank God for the tech team uh, who faithfully helps us week after week. And you can plant that seed, pay your tithes. Those of you who are in the Bronx, uh, Refuge Temple Annex, you're in the New York area, you may use Givelify. But if you're in the building, yes, um, either uh, Elder Blackwood or Mother Van or whoever they designate can pass the basket and you may give now. Father, we thank you for every seed that's being planted, everyone that's giving whether it's in person or online, I pray that you take that gift and bless it and multiply it for thy use and for thy service. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you tonight, and I thank God for all of you. Now, we're going to continue on in our series, right? 
tonight we talked about self-examination and um, next week we're going to deal with another um, minor prophet and we're going to get back into the word yes we are and um, I'm not going to tell you what it is next week I'm I'm, I'm going to surprise you, but we're going to be in the word of the Lord. And I'm looking forward to being with you again. But until then, you know what we always say. It's not a cliche. It's just the truth. Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom, shalom.